0: It's time for episode 223 of the Clockwise Podcast from Relay FM, recorded Wednesday, January 10th, 2018. Clockwise, four people, four tech topics, 30 minutes.
1: Welcome back to Clockwise, the tech podcast that, turns out, it runs for about six times the half-life of Uranium-241. Who knew? I am one of your hosts, Micah Sargent, and I am joined <laughs> across the tubes of the internet by Dan Morin. How you doing, Dan?
0: Oh, I knew that, Micah. I, I know. You all, did? I, I know. That's not true at all. I had no idea. <laughs> <laughs> that would be a really random thing to know. <laughs>
1: Uh, yeah but now everybody knows it's fantastic we're
0: educational we're, we're trying to get that educational grant going
1: <laughs> uh well i would love to introduce the person who is sitting to my left in this entirely false world we've created where we're sitting at a table uh it is app camp for girls founding volunteer kelly gamont how you doing kelly i'm good how are you oh i'm just swell
0: just swell and to my left, freelance writer, podcaster, and, of course, the man who most likely did know that this was the half-life of Uranium 241, <laughs> Glenn Fleischman. Hi, Glenn. Who knows the f- Hello. I've got those all tattooed on my
2: forearm just as a crib
1: sheet. I assume that was, yeah, <laughs> leftover from your Japanese days. <laughs> Do you know the person who found uranium two forty one? Because that would make Glenn sense. Glenn probably,
2: yeah. Glenn probably they, does. No, they but have, he knows their mailman. They <laughs> radiant! They have a radiant personality. That's oh. all I know. Oh, oh dear, oh dear. Let's, let's let's cut let's, this short. Let's go.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's uh, let's get going. We got we got of course four people, four tech topics. So we'll try not to take longer than thirty minutes, or you know, we'll have to edit that down. Uh, my question for all of you is that uh, Kohler just announced. <laughs> A new toilet uh, that it features, you know, it's got, like, a foot warmer. It's got uh, a tushy warmer. It also serves as a bidet. Uh, it's also got a set of speakers with Bluetooth built in. It is a toilet smart speaker. I'm curious. What do you think? Is this genius or is this ridiculous? Kelly, we'll start with you.
3: It's ridiculous. Um, <laughs> there, Like, I'm a person who enjoys technology and new interesting technology and new ways to use things and i feel like uh we've reached sort of the jeff goldblum in jurassic park moment where uh just because you could you need to stop and think about whether or not you should so that's my stance on it um there's a i just don't think so (laughs)
0: <laughs> just just no.
3: Like, we keep hearing about all this smart stuff coming out of CES, and, like, the only thing I want to be any smarter is I want the washer and the dryer to send me a notification when they're done, because yes. I'm not always in a place where I can hear the thing that it does. That's, like, the only thing I want. I don't need the refrigerator to tell me whether or not I need milk. I just need the washer to go, hey, I'm finished. Maybe you should do something with all these wet clothes. That's it.
0: Those are, those are modest goals. I like that. Um, yeah. I... here's the problem here's the problem this is what i'm thinking i find that in most cases when you start integrating smart features into other objects devices appliances whatever you want to call it uh that the other functions of those devices often suffer as a result because people have their their efforts are divided they're trying to make accommodations uh and frankly i feel like the bathroom is one place where you don't want to have failures. Because it's like, oh, well, you know, the toilet will break after <laughs> after six months. <laughs> but the speakers were great. Uh, I feel like that is dividing your efforts too much. And also, do you, I don't know. Do you, want, do you have to worry about plugging in your toilet? Like, that seems wrong. Why would you do that? Uh, anyways, I don't Who's know. Who's going to
3: call for tech support when the toilet <laughs> goes terribly wrong? Oh my Who's going to call tech support and go, yeah it doesn't work anymore. I can't pair it to, you know, whatever. Like, no, not can't a thing. Can't pair
0: my toilet. It's not a phrase I'm looking forward to having to having to say. So uh, I do like the idea of having a smart speaker in the bathroom occasionally because I do think that I used to listen to audio and it's nice not to have to like muck around with something with wet hands, but I don't think integrating it into other devices is necessarily the way I'd go. So I am going to go with
2: Kelly on the ridiculous vote. Uh, Glenn, what to say? What say you? Well, we definitely need some kind of anti-dinosaur feature for toilets based on the Jurassic Park reference so that the T-Rex won't come and grab the (laughs) lid of the bathroom off us. But um, I'm in favor of stupid homes. Um, I like things that are like mechanical switches. I'm like, I don't want like an Edison bulb. I want a bulb that when I flip the light, like I want an LED bulb, but it doesn't have to be a smart bulb. I want a switch and I turn it on and it goes on and it goes off. I bought a thing. um, It's actually very well made. It works very well. I bought it from a Kickstarter campaign uh, that's a light bulb speaker. And every time I say that to somebody, I just start laughing. I'm like, I have a light bulb. That's also a speaker. And you're like, well, but it sort of makes sense. I have it in my nightstand. And yet it is not a great speaker and it's a, actually a pretty good LED controllable bulb and I like being able to control it but having once set it, I've never changed the settings. So I'm kind of of this like single function utility uh, mode and also uh, only things should be smart where there's a sense that you need to do something different over to- time. My toilet needs are, let us say, generally very specific and uh, <laughs> over my lifetime I haven't seemed to need to evolve my need for different toilet purposes so um, I, I go with a stupid toilet you know maybe the bidet that's fine i don't know whatever some people like lex freeman are into that but you know uh for the rest i think just a regular toilet please ridiculous well, all good answers,
1: everyone. I do think that this is absolutely ridiculous. I think there are parts of this toilet uh, that that make sense. I like the idea of having the the sort of the foot warmer and the, the the bidet settings and all that jazz. But yeah, you can you can leave the smart speaker out of my toilet. Thank you for all of time and for the rest of life, because the last thing I need is like I'm sitting on the toilet and then suddenly it takes off and I'm just like going down the stairs and it's driving me. Um, yeah, yeah no, self, self-driving no toilet, no. Self-driving toilet, no. <laughs> this is not no. a future that anyone wants. <laughs> uh, thank you all. Let's move on to Kelly's question.
3: So my, my question is really, um, now that Twitter sort of has this self-inflicted fail whale situation, what are we going to do about it? Because, you know, I sort of, like, I've been on Twitter for almost 11 years now. I've been there a long time. i've met a lot of people i've made a lot of friends and i used to really enjoy it as a platform and then literally after i put this topic in for this literally this morning somebody tried to step to me and talk about how if that and this is a, a direct quote from the tweet if that's your level of reading comprehension you should be paid less
1: Uh, (laughs) even though what i said
3: a had nothing to do with my job b had nothing to do with what i was actually reading c like i'm not even going to go into the rest of it but this is not uncommon because i'm a girl and i'm not secret about it and i'm on twitter that way and when i'm on twitter i'm not afraid to share my opinion or or whether it's good or bad like this is a great thing i don't think this is so great whatever so what now? And what I have found is a lot of people who used to like Twitter went to app.net when that was a thing, um, went there, and that was a really enjoyable conversation, but it ended up not being sustainable, and so it went away. So a lot of those people have moved on to micro.blog, which is where I've spent some time. I get more interaction, interesting interaction, helpful interaction. People have disagreed with me, but it's been... The kind of disagreement you expect as disagreement not the kind of disagreement everything is now which is not i think a different thing from you it's immediately you're bad and you should feel bad and so i want to know what you guys think about uh what's going to be next like is twitter in the about to enter the myspace phase of its life
0: oh if it hasn't already i don't know uh Here's the uh, maybe we could all just withdraw quietly from Twitter and leave all the people arguing to themselves and they just wouldn't realize. <laughs> uh, I had, yeah, I mean, the other day I posted a link to what I thought was a really interesting thread about, of course, Star Wars. Um, as you may have heard, Star Wars is a little divisive right now. Uh, I got retweeted How by dare you? some guy with a million <laughs> followers. And my mentions went to like hell. Like literally
3: a million. Literally sure a million yeah.
0: followers. Uh, and I got a lot of people. I just had to start muting and blocking pretty liberally, which is not something I I like doing. I generally believe in the free flow of open ideas. But like these people many of them were just very angry and it's like I don't you're not even talking to me you're arguing with other people and just tag me into this please go away so honestly for me I don't know I mean like you said Kelly people have gone to other places generally the problem with some of those is that they are hard to sustain uh, especially if you kind of end up with a smaller group of people so I haven't really tried the microblog yet but I I was on tried Mastodon for a little while but found Mm -hmm. it a little overly confusing in the way it sort of decentralizes itself and and, as know, did there, I. Yeah, there are problems in there as well. So, and I just couldn't stick with it right now, like because I didn't really have enough bandwidth. So, for me, honestly, mm-hmm. what I've ended up doing is I've just pulled back from Twitter a lot. It was causing so much more stress and anxiety uh, for me that I just decided I was going to step back
2: and and spend less time on social networking. Let's see. So, I've been. Um... On Twitter for ten years now, and uh, I've sent over five hundred thousand messages on Twitter. Somehow, you are Twitter, Glenn. Terrifying. (laughs) Yeah. When do they start paying me again? I keep waiting for the check to arrive. But the you know, I felt I made I made a lot of friends on Twitter too, and many of them became you know I've got a bunch of in real life friends that I've made that I've now you know people I've met in real life after having met them on Twitter, and I've uh, you know developed working relationships with people, really close friendships, traveled with folks, traveled to visit people. Um, It was really neat when it was something different and i maybe it was inevitable that phase would go away but i don't think it was inevitable it came, became um you know a, a villainous hive of or a, a hive of villainous scum and uh that phrase goes <laughs> i'm gonna be all the star trek or star wars fans ah, oh my star god wars glenn, fans. Glenn, glenn, ah, glenn. stop
3: before it's too late glenn stop uh, digging
2: sweetheart but, but app.net <laughs> app. was uh, i remember very fondly too and made some good friends there because there was something about the structure of it that um it was smaller uh, community. Uh, and I don't think I found anything. Um, I feel like app.net had almost the ideal community for whatever variables they set there that worked. And again, smallness might, might have been a big part of it. Uh, I've tried Mastodon, I've tried the others, and I think that critical mass is really the issue, is it's hard to find a thing. And, you know, uh, all of us on this particular episode of Clockwise, uh, we all use Slacks. So we're all in, in fact, at least one Slack together, and Slack has actually taken up some amount of socializing because, um, for instance, one uh, podcast-related Slack includes like 60-something people, many of whom are some of my best online friends who I don't get to see in real life. And so, hey, they're all in one place. So I feel like Slack... Uh, because it's got a free tier has taken some of the groups that were on twitter were like we are sick of this kind of abuse and and lack of discussion and nazis and so forth and we've gone off so i mean twitter could still solve these problems by actually creating a consistent enforceable policy that reduced uh hate speech and abuse in an effective and coordinated way because they have all the information in the world about what's going on um but uh until then i think people will probably do like dan does and i've been doing as well as i've just backed off i use it much less and i'm much more wary in my interaction actions there so I don't wind up getting dogpiled.
1: I uh, pretty much agree with with that uh, mostly. I also have found myself sort of pulling away from the internet at large. And even, uh, like, I I seem to be in some sort of fatigue uh, state because I've also been pulling away from Slack's, which I haven't (sighs) done in the past. Like, I've used those as the places to communicate with friends um, in a more... And a less uh, horrible environment. But even there, I haven't really been entirely active. Um, Every time this question comes up, it does give me some anxiety because I don't think that I would be where I am today in terms of podcasting and things like that, the, the things that I do online, if it wasn't for Twitter. Um, because i met many of the people there and sort of spread my voice there and have a bit of a following there. And so that kind of is, is scary to have that go away. But hopefully, you know, in whatever comes next, um, a lot of that can follow and, and carry over. But I have just Checked the time as I often do. Keep watching the clock and we have got to go to halftime. Uh, This week's halftime sponsor is our dear friends at Linode. With Linode, you'll have access to a suite of powerful hosting options with prices starting at just five bucks a month. And you'll be up and running with your own virtual server in the Linode cloud in under a minute. Linode has hundreds of thousands of customers who are all serviced by their friendly 24-7 support team. There's somebody always there for you. You can email them, you can call them, you can even chat with them over IRC in the Linode community. They know how important it is to get the help that you want. And they've got a suite of amazing guides and support documentation. So you don't have to talk to anybody if you don't want to, you can just check out those guides. Linode's intuitive control panel will allow you to deploy, boot, resize, snapshot, and clone your virtual servers. I love all those verbs. in just a few clicks and they've got two-factor authentication to keep you safe. Linode has fantastic pricing options available. Plans start at at a gig of RAM for just five bucks a month and they offer high memory plans starting with 16 gigs of RAM. As a listener of this very show, if you sign up at linode.com slash clockwise, you will not only be supporting us, but you're also going to get $20 towards any Linode plan. And remember, they started just five bucks a month. On the one gigabyte of RAM plan, that's four free months. And with a seven-day money-back guarantee, there's nothing to lose. So go to Linode.com slash Clockwise to learn more, sign up, and take advantage of that $20 credit. Or you can use the promo code CLOCKWISE2018 at checkout. Thank you so much to Linode for supporting this show. All right, halftime is over. Dan, let's hear what you got for us. All right, so
0: love it or hate it, and I... I think probably I know where most people fall on this. It's CES time! Uh,
2: The Consumer Electronics Show is (laughs) happening
0: in Las Vegas. Have you been uh, keeping abreast of what's being announced there? Anything catch your attention,
2: Glenn? Uh, Well, uh, I'm just going to play the role of the cynical old man on this episode and go, I don't need no CES. I'll just (laughs) wait for real products to ship. Um, You know, I keep my eyes open for it. I've only gone to CES once many years ago. I'm fortunate that no publication has ever wanted to pay for me to go, so I haven't had to go. I I went on my own dime the one time to check it out when it was apparently like one-fifth the size it is today, and it was already... Overwhelming and exhausting. So I watched the announcements and can't just say CES is boring because there's a million, million things there. But I don't feel like there's been a a breakout thing that's risen above um, the general noise of other news, which is hard these days. Anyway, I have heard, um, though, and I am sort of interested in this, is that the self driving car or driverless cars have been apparently driving all over Las Vegas and they've been doing demo after demo for uh, reporters and other people there. So they'll be probably following CES a lot more conversation about the coming future of this. because there's just apparently so many prototypes that are being tested now and tested in in real places that they can actually uh, demo it like that
1: there are uh, two two things that have have caught my eye one is a specific product the other is sort of a category the the specific product is um a It's a it's a CarPlay head unit um by Alpine. And the cool thing about it is it's uh it fits into a single din. It has this gigantic screen um that you can sort of adjust and, and you know, bring up, bring down and angle in different ways. And so uh certainly something, you know, if you've got an older car that you'd like to just add CarPlay to, uh Alpine has announced this product and uh plans to to ship it soon, so Pretty, pretty nifty. And then the other one that I want to mention is uh product category. I'm super into home automation and uh, HomeKit uh, enabled products in particular. And there's been a huge surge in physical remotes for um, HomeKit. And basically what that allows you to do is have... I've got a, I've got a few in my house already, but they've come out with some new ones. And Nanoleaf has one that's got like 15 different buttons you can press. Uh, but essentially you can tie them to uh, different scenes or different products in your home. And what I find about that is that it's good for sort of guests who come into your home who may not want to use their voice to work your lighting or things like that. They can find a physical place and just say, okay, if I hit this button, the lights turn on. If I hit this button, the lights turn off. So uh, keep your eye out for products from Fibaro, Eve, Nanoleaf, and more. If you're in the market for a HomeKit-enabled switch for your setup.
3: What's really funny about that is that the EVE switch was one of the things I wanted to talk about because Elgato makes some really interesting home automation stuff. And so watching all of that stuff sort of go 2.0 and get refined and um, include the new switch uh, is one of the things that I saw that was interesting. Also, um, Wemo is, or Belkin is going to start selling a WeMo HomeKit hub so that you can uh, Siri up all of your devices. And uh, <laughs> boss them all around with your voice. Um, there was a, there were two things that caught my eye overall. Uh, one of them is that uh, Catalyst is this company that makes a waterproof case for AirPods. So now that people can actually get them, um, this is a way to make them waterproof, which is to make the case waterproof, which I think is super cool. And um, TiVo has made an announcement about how Echo technology, Amazon Echo technology, and Google Assistant. Integration is coming to TiVo, which is great because you should be able to tell your Echo Base not just turn on TiVo, but to do a certain thing. It looks pretty great. And it looks like something that I will use a ton. I have a TiVo and I have an Echo Base, and it would be great if I could tell it, to, if I could tell my Echo Base to turn on the TiVo and make all of that happen. That would be pretty awesome to me.
0: The things that caught my attention were the HTC Vive Pro which is uh, HTC's attempt to basically make a new version of their VR headset, but one that doesn't require you to be tethered to wires, which is nice because if you've ever tried any VR stuff and tripped over a bunch of wires, then you've had the quintessential (laughs) VR experience. Um, So uh, interested to see how that develops and also to see how it affects sort of the entry-level costs of getting into VR, maybe some of the older stuff getting priced down a little bit. I'm convinced that VR stuff is still like, it's, it's almost there. It's almost there. It's it's gotten much better. Um, I'm interested to see that all this uh, attention and, and energy has been devoted to these things. So I'm kind of convinced that this is a there is a there there, uh, and I'm I'm excited for that possibility. Uh, one of the other interesting things I saw was uh, I think Lenovo teamed up with Google to make a essentially a Google Home that has a screen um it, google has not done their own version of a google home with a screen so this is a little bit on the hacky side but what i thought was really clever and which everybody else who's making some sort of smart home gadget should do uh is that the there's a camera on this device and it has a physical like slide shutter essentially that you can slide over the camera Hallelujah. And, and i sat there thinking why doesn't every device with a camera have this? Because honestly, let's be clear, even if you can turn the camera off, and I found recently that I can turn the camera off on my Echo show, uh, the idea that like all it takes is one software vulnerability for somebody to flip it right back on there, uh, a physical shutter that you just like a little piece of plastic, you just slide right over it, build it in. Just do it, guys. Trust me, everyone will be much, much happier. Um, So thanks for your thoughts on CES. Let's go to our last topic from today, which
2: is Glenn's. Well, this topic is going to grow in interest by 17,000% by the end of the episode. And uh, I'm talking, of course, about uh, crypto coins. And um, while it may seem that Bitcoin has grabbed all the attention because, you know, its price... Uh, keeps going up and up and up and up. And in fact, as we speak, it's, um, you know, well, oh, wait, it's up, down, no, how, blah, you know, but, well, anyway, we know that Bitcoin has increased in value a massive amount over, uh, you know, purported value and mass amount over the last year. It's super volatile and, uh, um, it's kind of a thing that's very hard to track and understand. Um, even if you own some, but there are other crypto coins too. There's something called an initial coin offering or an ICO where people use similar properties or they twiddle factors in how Bitcoin works and release their own coins. So what I'm wondering is, uh, first, uh, uh, do you, uh, have any Bitcoin that you bought in one of those experiments that we all did a few years ago? Like, Hey, maybe I should buy like 10 bucks of this stuff. B. Do you know where it is in the password and can I have it? C. <laughs> <laughs> Any of these topics are fine. And C, uh, do you think this is um, some bizarre bubble, or have you thought about crypto coin and think the future is going to involve some form of digital currency?
1: Let's see. Let's break this down. Um, I... I, I kick myself in the tush uh, before I sit down on my smart toilet thinking about the <laughs> fact that... It can do it for you. <laughs> yeah, this is true, it can. Um, I, I had the opportunity, we were doing it when I used to work at, a, at Newsy, which is the place I worked before, uh, Mobile Nations, and we were doing a story on Bitcoin back whenever it was still sort of not as uh, in the news as it is now. And someone else uh, at the company ended up sort of you know throwing in some money to get the Bitcoin so we could do the story. Um, So as far as I know, I don't have any Bitcoin. But um, I think it's certainly fascinating. And I like the idea. I mean, we're all sort of I was just thinking the other day, I it was my birthday, not too terribly long ago, and uh, family members had sent money in the mail. And uh, this paper money is just so bizarre to me these days, because I just like to use my my card or Apple Pay or one of those services. And like everybody talks about Money is if it's this physical thing, but I think for many people it's not anymore, and so it's just sort of exists in this digital space. And I think that uh, Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies certainly make sense in that way, and there's something to it, and potentially it has a future as the uh, worldwide currency, maybe.
3: The thing that's interesting to me about about Bitcoin isn't actually Bitcoin; it's blockchain, which is the it's like a ledger, like a distributed ledger that you use to record all of these Bitcoin transactions. And I feel like there's a lot more potential in blockchain and as a concept and what it can do for people who are trying to track things. Um, you know, in a particular, particularly when it comes to finances, I feel like there's a lot more interest there because as of now, Bitcoin and blockchain go hand in hand as far as like because cryptocurrency, you need a way to record those transactions. An easy way to do that is to distribute it the same way, you know, make that distributed the same way Bitcoin is distributed, a distributed technology. Everybody's interested in Bitcoin right now because everybody's interested in Bitcoin right now. I kind of feel like that's what's happening. Um And this is going to start. This is going to shift. Uh, There's still going to be people who are into it, but I know that it's something that, at least at some point, has made it to a certain level of awareness. So I've been like casually reading more about it. I wanna, I wanna know more about that, but I, I, I don't think Bitcoin is the thing that's interesting about Bitcoin. I think it's blockchain that records all those transactions.
0: Um. Yeah. So I don't have any Bitcoin. I kind of also regret not jumping in the pool early, just because I would have taken the short-term gains. Um. I do think there is a future for cryptocurrency. It's a really interesting uh, development technologically, including the blockchain, as Kelly was talking about. Um, I think that what's proved a struggle is, you know, cash uh, in this society. Like, people start using cash less and less, but there are benefits to cash, uh, including things like anonymity. Um, And you can't get that with a lot of digital currencies, but, you know, certainly cryptographic currencies open a possibility for you to potentially do that. My biggest worry with all these things, and the reason that I do think that there's a bubble behind them, is that you have to be super careful about who is who is backing these currencies, right? I mean, like, and I'm certainly no financial wizard, but like the, one of the things they talk about a lot with Bitcoin is the fact that there are still, you know, the people who, the anonymous creator or creators of Bitcoin still own a huge chunk of them and are basically making a ton of money uh, and nobody knows who they are um and you know certain other cryptocurrencies are better documented but there's always a concern when you increase in add this degree of anonymity that's again that's a problem with cash too to a certain extent except that you have governmental instruments in place as well um so yeah i think that there's a future for it and for the blockchain technology right now i think blockchain is a crazy buzzword that everybody is trying to get
2: into <laughs> so there's a bubble here it's gonna burst and, and we'll see what happens after that I don't own any Bitcoin either. I bought a little bit of it, and either it was stolen from me, or I spent it and forgot it a few years ago. Either way, that's the perfect Bitcoin story.
1: Uh, Wow, we have reached the end of the show, and there's time enough for a bonus question? Um, (laughs) But before we get there, uh, I would like to kick it over to Dan for our next sponsor of the episode. Dan, take it away.
0: We've got a brand new sponsor on Clockwise today. This episode is brought to you by our friends at RX Bar. Uh, the folks at RX Bar couldn't find a protein bar out there that wasn't full of artificial ingredients, fillers, and preservatives. So, of course, they decided to make one. RX Bar is a whole food protein bar made with 100% whole ingredients. They want to be transparent up front with their customers, which is why they label the core ingredients on the front of the package, along with all the ingredients that make up texture and taste on the back. The team at RX Bar found creating a bar made from real whole food ingredients tastes better than anything out there. They just didn't need the fillers, the additives, the chemicals, or the extra sugar. So whether you like sweet or savory chocolate or fruit flavors, there's an RX Bar for you. They come in 11 delicious varieties. They're gluten-free, soy-free, dairy-free, and there's no added sugar, artificial colors, artificial flavors, preservatives, or fillers, just good stuff. Uh, they're great for breakfast on the go, snacks at the office, travel, hiking, before or after your workouts, whenever you want to eat them, basically. Uh, they very kindly sent me a box of a dozen of these bars, and I've been trying them out. I had one the other day when I was uh, going out for the afternoon and realized, oh, I I got to run some errands, and I'm going to be out during lunch. Uh, I don't have a quick way to grab lunch, so I'll bring one of these along with me. It was a chocolate and sea salt one. It was pretty tasty, uh, so it was a nice little afternoon way to keep myself going. Uh the wonderful people over at RX Bar have a special offer offer for listeners of this show. For twenty five percent off your first order, visit rxbar.com slash clockwise and enter promo code clockwise at checkout. That's rxbar.com slash clockwise and promo code clockwise at checkout for 25% off. We'd like to thank RxBar for their support of this show.
1: Excellent. All right. So all I have for you is uh, I'm asking for a recommendation. What's a piece of media, a book, a TV show, something else that you'd suggest listeners check out? Kelly, we'll start with you.
3: I would say The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, which is an Amazon Prime show.
0: I would say I've just been catching up on the most recent season of Mr. Robot. If you like technology... You'll probably enjoy the show.
2: Uh, I got for uh, Christmas. I got a book that's just a, it's a few years old. It's I think about four years old. Uh, has not gone stale. Uh, it's called "The Simpsons and Their Mathematical Secrets" with a bonus chapter about uh, Futurama. How cleverly real math was inserted into the runs of both programs.
1: I have been binging "Hello from the Magic Tavern," which I know Yay. Glenn very much enjoys. Um, and it's it's everything and it's just got me into a bunch more improv podcasts that i've I've been checking out uh thank you all for your answers there we have reached the end of the episode kelly gamont thank you so much for joining us thank you so much for having me on the show
0: and glenn fleshman thank you for being here a pleasure thank you for having me and micah let's wrap it up real quick We'll be back next week. Until then, remember, watch what you say. And keep
1: watching the clock. Bye, everybody.